today the Riley half. Alexa Riley here with you to do Katie Wilde's book. I'm sure you guys all are enjoying it. I know Tessa and everybody else likes to talk before we play the chapter, but if you've learned a lot about me over this time, I am a giant spoiler whore. I love spoilers and I want to talk about the book. So I'm going to send you guys in and then I'm going to talk about everything on the flip side. So I'll be back with you guys after you get this next installment. So be prepared for some of the best vagina eating coming your way. I'll see you in a minute. Chapter 3 Strax the Vowkeeper. Strax had married Mara at midnight. By dawn, his bride was already trying to run away, and she was trying to do it quietly. She'd fallen asleep in his arms while they rode away from Wintermere, then briefly awakened again when he made camp. Custom demanded their hands remain tied with the red ribbon until morning, so she hadn't protested when he'd made a single bed, nor when he'd determined that the easiest position for them to sleep was with Strax on his back and Mara lying atop his chest. There she'd fallen quickly asleep again, her head pillowed on his shoulder and her legs straddling his waist, while Strax had lain beneath her with his cock hard and his heart full. So very full, because Mara was his wife. And despite everything, she must feel safe with him to fall asleep in his arms so easily. And his heart was full, because she had wept upon discovering that he must stop her from returning the gauntlet to her tyrant king. Her every tear had pierced Strax's chest. Yet his wife had shed those tears because she believed they must be enemies. If the thought disappointed and hurt her, Mara must want more from Strax than ever had she said. Strax didn't know the solution to the chasm that yawned between them, but he would discover a way to bridge it, because he would never be separated from his wife. Yet she was already putting distance between them. Ever so slowly, only moving her fingers, she began to work her hand free of the ribbon. Not a sound she made as if she feared waking him. Her warm breath trembled softly against his neck, the softness of her breasts pressed into his chest, with only her tunic to prevent her skin from touching his. Yet nothing lay between her inner thighs, clasping his sides or the sultry warmth of her womanhood from his stomach. She'd been naked in that cell when he'd given her his tunic to wear, and she was still bare beneath it. The ribbon's knot loosened, freeing her hand from his. Yet, Strax could not let her go yet. When his fingers clasped hers, telling her that he was awake, her body went utterly still. Utterly still, and waiting. Because although Mara felt safe enough to sleep in his arms, she also didn't trust him. His heart ached with the knowing of it, 
and knowing that he'd done nothing to earn her trust in all these months. But Strax would begin to earn it on this day. He would earn her trust, and anything else she'd be willing to give him. Forgive me, Mara, he said to her softly. Silence reigned for a breath, as if she couldn't think of a reason why he needed to be forgiven. Finally, she whispered, What for? Because I didn't wake you in the manner a husband should wake his wife. What manner is that? Strax would have preferred to show her. Instead, he told her, With my head between your thighs and my mouth upon your cunt. Her breath stopped against his throat. Convulsively, her fingers tightened on his. Yet she said not a word. Hunger roughened his voice. Do you wish me to wake you properly, my wife? Her hesitation made his heart sore. The abrupt, no, that followed mattered not at all, because that brief hesitation exposed the temptation she must feel, as did her body when, in the rush of getting away from him, she rocked back to sit up and her femininity encountered the turgid cockstand that jutted up over his lower abdomen. She froze, and in the dim light, Strax saw the way her gaze widened and her lips parted, but all he could feel was her feminine flesh, so hot and wet against his bare shaft, and groan when she bit her lower lip and hitched her hips down, then up and up and up as if measuring the rigid length of him with the slick heat of her cunt. Her body shuddered when she reached the tip and the blunt head of his cock rolled over her clitoris. A soft moan escaped her throat, and her eyes rolled back. Then, all at once, she was on her feet, the furs thrown aside and frigid air kissing the trail of wetness she'd left behind on his erection. Even as Strax clenched his jaw against the agonizing arousal that she'd mercilessly abandoned, joy burst through him. So blessed he was to have a wife as hot as the sun and as wet as the ocean. All such a woman needed was a man as solid as the earth itself, and that was he. Strax would be the firm ground beneath her feet and the hard stone that filled her cunt. He rolled onto his side, gripping his cock to stroke her honeyed wetness into his skin. Mara was already preparing to leave, carrying her saddle to her horse. A frown pulled at his mouth as he watched her cross the harsh, cold ground in bare feet. Take my boots, wife, and my leather leggings, too. They would be far too big for her, just as his tunic was, but she could lace them tight enough to stay on. In the chill spring air, he could make do by tying a fur around his waist. Stuff your boots up your ass, she snapped, and Strax grinned. And lie abed all morning as you usually do, husband. The word was a sneer. In a lithe movement, she mounted her mare, then abruptly stopped when her gaze fell upon him.
her mouth open as if she'd meant to say something else, but the sight of Strax running his big fist the length of his cock knocked the words from her tongue. This is why I always lie abed, Mara. He told her gruffly while his fingers squeezed and stroked his throbbing erection. I remain in my furs and dream of having you. Her startled gaze flew from his cock to his face, and doubt filled her voice. You dreamt of me, but you always said you would say that I was... She trailed off, her throat working. Almost reluctantly, it seemed, she glanced at his thick length again. A deep breath lifted her breasts within his tunic, her stiffened nipples showing faintly through the heavy weave. The tip of her tongue darted out to touch the upper bow of her lip as a pearled drop of seed spilled from the crown. Then, without another word, she reined her horse around and started off, not along the road west, but striking out to the north. Before this day, Strax would have lingered in his furs until his seed spurted into his hand. But yesterday, he'd done so, and she'd been captured imprisoned, and the fire that burned inside her had almost been doused. Now it flamed brightly again, and Strax would follow that flame wherever she went. He had two vows to keep, one a blood oath to never allow the gauntlet's power to be abused, and the other a promise to be her devoted husband. Somehow, he would fulfill both vows, but he could not do that abed. So, with his cock still throbbing, Strax leapt to his feet and followed her. Chapter 4 Mara the Thirsty Though she heard the barbarian's horse approaching, Mara refused to look back. Instead, she kept her gaze focused ahead. In the distance, the black eye sockets of the skull cliffs stared out over the plains. Legend was that the skulls belonged to the cruel gods who'd once roamed this land, before the goddess Kaidids had slain them and put their giant rotting heads on display as a warning to any other being who might abuse others with his power. If the legend had any truth to it, Mara knew not. She only knew that the cliffs were the final obstacle before she reached Kaidids' keep. All that lay between her and those cliffs was several days' journey across the Lonewood Plain, and a husband who intended to stop her from winning the tournament. The only pain greater than knowing Strax was bound by a blood oath to stop her was the pain of imagining what would happen to her family and everyone under her family's protection if she failed. Her brothers and sisters, the youngest of whom was only five years of age, her parents, who'd only shown love and kindness to all who'd sought help from them during Solegius's cruel reign. Their only crime had been standing firm against the sorcerer king's tyranny and for refusing to send Mara to his bed. She'd gone anyway when Solegius threatened to retaliate against her family for their defiance. Then she'd committed the unforgivable crime that sealed everyone's fate. When Solegius had lowered his handsome face to kiss her, she'd gagged. 
Her punishment for that insult to his vanity was to make her join a tournament no one believed she could survive, let alone win. But sending her on a route that should kill her was not enough for Solegius, so he'd added the burden of thousands of lives upon her shoulders. Mara would be carrying that burden up those cliffs, just as she'd carried it across thousands of miles. That weight hadn't broken her as everyone expected. Instead, it had strengthened her. Yet no matter how strong she'd become, Mara still struggled to shrug off Strax's insults and doubts. Nor could she easily shrug away the hurt of knowing he could never help her win the tournament. But even if he wasn't obligated by a blood vow to stop her, she couldn't depend on him. So their marriage had changed nothing. Except now she knew why he'd always followed in last place. He didn't stay behind her this day, however, instead riding up alongside her mare and matching her pace. Fill your belly, wife, he commanded, holding out a thick slice of bread topped with soft white cheese and golden honey. Her stomach rumbled at the sight, and since everything she owned had been stolen, except for her sword and a few items in her saddlebags, Mara accepted the meal. Her soft thanks was met with a look of such fierce satisfaction that she didn't glance at him again while she ate. Nonetheless, Mara was acutely aware of his huge presence beside her. Her husband wore the leathers and boots she'd refused, yet despite the cold drizzle that fell from gray skies, he didn't drape his furs over his shoulders and chest. Instead, Strax faced the rain as a mountain did, with water running in rivulets over the stony ridges of his muscles, silently inviting her to quench her thirst by sipping from the streams that flowed over his bronze skin. Oh, and she was so very thirsty. She licked her sticky lips and looked over to find Strax staring at her mouth, his eyes hot enough to catch her blood afire. I will see you well fed, Mara he said in a voice thick with desire, a voice that promised to fill her up with more than bread, a voice that touched every yearning need inside her, not just the thirst of her tongue or even the hunger of her body, but the painful longing within her heart. Because she was tired and lonely, and this journey had been so very hard, the only pleasure she'd known since leaving home had been the pleasure Strax had given since freeing her from that cage. His slow, thorough kiss when he'd married her. The warmth and strength of his arms holding her so tight. The fierce, burning sensation of his bare skin against hers. And the sheer ecstasy of feeling his rigid length against her most intimate flesh. Strax had killed a tyrant to save her and she hated the hope that rose within her now, like a foolish rabbit leaving the safety of its underground burrow, despite knowing that disappointment waited to pounce and tear it to shreds. You destroyed Thaddeus. Could you not do the same to Solegius? Jaw clenching, Strax shook his head. Thaddeus was unprepared for the likes of me. Solegius is not. The likes of you? He indicated his side, where runes carved over his ribs glowed faintly gold and protected him against enchantments and spells. Mara only knew what purpose the runes served because his brother Eric had once told her. 
Everyone in the Deadlands was born with more power than any sorcerer in the West, yet they almost all voluntarily bound their magic to their own flesh with those runes, rendering themselves incapable of casting spells, except for the protective wards written into their skin. Arik had called a sorcerer's spells corrupted magic that slowly pushed the world out of balance. And he'd claimed that love and kindness were pure, uncorrupted magic, and the most powerful of all magics, followed by courage and trust, and rage and hate. The love Mara felt for her family seemed enough to fill an ocean. So did her hate for Solegius. Yet neither her love nor hate could save them and defeat Aramon's king, no matter what the barbarians in the Deadlands believed. Thaddeus attacked me with spells, Strax continued, but he'd have been better served to enchant a weapon and use it against me. So Legius knows that. If he hadn't protected himself so well, Auric and I would have killed him when we were in Aramond. Impervious to spells, but not against items enchanted by spells. Would Thaddeus's collar have bound you as it did me? It would. Strax hadn't been able to break the collar either. As she recalled what else Strax had told her before he'd removed it, the sweet honey of her tongue turned bitter. I suppose your love is what broke the enchantment on the collar? It is, he agreed easily. Her throat tightened. Why do you lie? You claimed me. That gave you power over the collar, that is all. His steady gaze met hers. And what led me to claim you? Why did I follow you, if not because I love you? The pain of hearing it again was like a knife in her chest. Stop, she begged him, hating both the plea and how the thickness of her voice betrayed her hurt. I cannot bear you saying that to me. Not when she knew it to be untrue. Perhaps he lusted after her or pitied her. She could accept that those reasons drove him to Wintermere, but love, no. She might wish it, but wishing had no more magic than love or trust did, no matter what he said. Torment darkened his eyes, a torment she'd seen in him before, on the night his brother had been swept overboard into an unforgiving sea. Unable to bear the pain in that look, Mara glanced away from him, but his hoarse reply followed her. Until you trust my word, I will not say it again. Never would I hurt you, Mara. That she damn well knew for a lie. These past six months, he'd hurt her with his words again and again. Every time he'd told her to give up, every time he hadn't believed in her. Her husband didn't think she could win, so she didn't understand why he rode at her side now. If someone has already claimed the gauntlet, she told him tightly, then you are on the wrong road to intercept them. They were not on a road at all, but striking a new path north from Wintermere to the cliffs. But her observation seemed not to concern Strax. With a shrug, he told her, if the gauntlet is gone when we reach the keep, I'll pursue whoever took it and stop him before he reaches Aramond but the gauntlet will still be there. How could he be so certain? More than 30 warriors are ahead of me. And in the countless generations since the gauntlet was locked inside the keep, 
thousands more have attempted to take it, and they all failed. Do you believe such a powerful weapon would be left undefended? Weapon? She looked to him in confusion. It is but a useless artifact, Strax shook his head. That is a lie spread by my clan to prevent others from seeking its power. Yet Solegius must have learned the truth. Sending warriors to fetch the gauntlet for him and calling it a tournament? Why would he not seek it himself? Because a sorcerer's corrupted magic is useless within Kaidi's keep. And Solegius is nothing without his spells and enchantments. That was truth. Yet Mara could hardly grasp the rest, though it also made sense. Why would any warrior swear a blood oath over a useless artifact? No one would. What kind of weapon is it? It's one of two gauntlets that the goddess Kaides forged from the hearts of the gods she killed. He gestured ahead at the skull cliffs. His tone deepened and became more rhythmic, as if this was a story often heard or often told. When her own life began to fade, Kaides passed the gauntlets to a queen she trusted, who in turn passed them on to her twin sons. Together, the brothers ruled until one of the gauntlets was destroyed while they battled the demon hordes, and they began to fight for possession of the remaining one. Because despite the love they had for each other, neither brother trusted that the other would wield the gauntlet's power as it should be wielded. The demon hordes. That was a time not simply ancient, but so far in the past that all Mara knew of that age were legends of legends. You are speaking of the wolf brothers who broke the world. That is only a tale parents tell their children to make them stop arguing. It is not a tale, Strax said. And they were not wolves, but kings who broke the world. But with the last of her strength, Kaides put it together again and built her keep. And made the brothers' descendants vow that they would stop anyone from misusing the gauntlet's power again. Those descendants became your clan? Face grim, he nodded. And my brother and I are the last. Are the last, because he still believed that his brother lived. Why does your clan not reside at the keep? The gauntlet's guardians do. The blood oath only demands that we do not allow anyone to misuse the weapon. And who could be trusted to wield so much power? Not Solegius. His dark eyes met hers. If you put the gauntlet into that sorcerer's hand, not only your family or your people will be killed and enslaved. Solegius would enslave the world. So even if I were not bound by a blood oath, I'd do everything I could to prevent him from having it. Would you not do the same if you were me? A deep ache opened up in her heart because she would do the same, but she was not him. In a painful whisper, Mara said, if you wish to fulfill your oath, you should ride the other road. Perhaps no one else has retrieved the gauntlet, but you can't be certain, yet you are certain I have not. I will not leave your side, wife, nor will you want me to. Something in his voice stopped her automatic denial. 
She glanced over with a frown. Strax gestured ahead. That is Lonewood's tree. The cursed tree that sucked the surrounding land dry, leaving only a barren wasteland. Its crooked trunk was clearly visible in the distance, and although they were still passing through the grasslands north of Wintermere, the vegetation around them had been steadily thinning, as if they'd reached Lonewood's border. I had thought it farther from the city, Mara said, and she'd thought it would be taller too. It had always been described as such. The tree is two days' ride from here, and the wasteland stretches two days beyond that. Her eyes widened. Two days away? Then it must truly be enormous. She could not begin to fathom its height, yet she began to fathom why Strax had said she wouldn't want him to leave her side. He spoke the reason succinctly. That is four days of no game to hunt, no water to drink, and no feed for the horses. Except for the supplies he carried with him, Mara realized. All that remained in her saddlebags were a few packets of dried herbs and a single gold coin that had been wedged into a loose seam. That coin could buy all the supplies Mara needed, if she returned to Wintermere. Yet no amount of gold could buy her what she needed more than anything else. Time. She would lose at least a full day in Wintermere, if not more. She couldn't afford to waste that time. You asked what I would do if I were you. But what if your family could only be saved by putting the gauntlet into his hands? I would do the same as you are, Mara, he said softly. She wished that answer eased the ache in her heart, but it only made her want to weep. Instead, you will prevent me from saving them. I will only prevent you from taking the gauntlet to Aramond, but I would help you save them another way. What way? She cried in frustration. Do you think we in Aramond have not tried to defeat Solegius? He destroys every army that marches against him. So how will we save my family? Her husband had no answer to that. And the only way that Mara could see, Strax would try to stop her. So she would stop him first. Chapter 5 Strax the Hungry his wife was up to something. The quiet that fell over Mara as she traveled was not so unusual, though the looks she gave him now were different. No longer were they filled with so much anger or distrust. Strax might have rejoiced over that, except the sadness darkening her gaze when it lingered on him, and the depth of the silence between them seemed like a yawning chasm that he could not cross. He stayed closer to her side than he had in six months of journeying, yet she seemed further from him than ever before. And Strax sensed that she was moving even further away with every step forward. Yet, when night fell, she didn't insist on sleeping apart, as Strax expected. Perhaps it was her sensible mind recognizing they only had furs enough for one bed. She also said nothing when, as he always did, Strax stripped to his skin before settling under the covers. Yet she didn't encourage him either, offering him neither touches nor kisses. Wearing her tunic, she meekly lay down beside him. 
when he rolled onto his side and pulled her back against his chest, she went compliantly, then pillowed her head on his biceps and slept. Strax did not. Instead, he wondered what she planned. Because Mara was never compliant or meek, so every moment he expected her to slip from his arms or bash his head with a rock. She had wanted Strax to take another road and to be away from him. He doubted that she'd given up on that wish. His Mara never gave up on anything. In the darkest hours, slumber finally pulled at him. But it seemed he'd only closed his eyes when dawn's golden light opened them again. And he found Mara had turned in his arms and was looking up at him with an expression of sheer determination. So now she would bash his head, Strax thought, and he would let her. Then he would find her again. Instead, she whispered, Will you wake me as a husband should wake his wife? Raw lust ripped through senses. His morning erection hardened into burning steel in the space of the breath it took to roll Mara onto her back and cover her mouth with his. She stiffened for the barest moment, as if not expecting a kiss. He'd only said that a husband woke his wife with his mouth between her legs. Then she melted beneath him, her fingers diving into his hair, her tongue hungrily seeking his. Her thighs parted to make room for him, her tunic riding up over her hips, and they both groaned when the thick ridge of his cock wedged against her feminine center. Scorching wetness burned the length of his shaft and slicked the insides of her thighs. So aroused was she, his wife was drowning in her need. Almost in pain, she seemed, writhing helplessly against him seeking more pleasure and her release. Strax would give her both, then return to her mouth to give her more. Never had a journey been so beautiful, nor as sweet as the path from her lush lips to her curving hips. This time he flew over it, yet the next time he vowed that his mouth and hands would worship her body as she deserved. But first he would wake her as a husband should. Ravenous with hunger, Strax pushed her thighs wide and bowed his head, breathing in the heady scent of her arousal. And now he knew her plan. The faintest perfume of cherries mingled with her own luscious fragrance. Barely detectable, yet distinct, she had bathed her cunt in bellwood blossom. When the blossoms were steeped, they became a powerful sleeping potion. Yet if the stems were also steeped, a fatal poison was made, and it was impossible to know by scent which it was. What would she give him, potion or poison? Strax didn't think it would be poison. She'd threatened to kill him if he stopped her from retrieving the gauntlet, and he'd told her over and over again that he intended to. But if his Mara meant to kill him, he didn't think it would be in this sly way. No, she would come directly at him with a blade. From between her thighs, he glanced up. Mara had risen under her elbows, her lips swollen and reddened by his kisses, her skin flushed with desire, her hair in a wild tangle as she watched him. 
Her request had been a trick so that she could drug him. Yet the passion he saw now wasn't false, nor was the honeyed arousal that glistened so near to his mouth. She was so clever, his wife, and so beautiful. Her breath hitched when he parted her with his thumbs. Will it be death, Mara? He asked her, his voice harsh with need. Or only sleep. Her body stilled, her eyes widened, and he recognized the sudden fear there, as if she thought he might punish her for this attempt. He gripped her hip to prevent her from fleeing, pressing a soothing kiss to the soft skin above her curls. Do you not know that I would risk death for a taste of you? That I would happily die if it brought you pleasure? And he did, with a long, slow lick that tasted of cherries and of Mara's own sweet honey. Her strangled gasp of surprise deepened into a moan when he licked away the remainder of the bellwood blossom from the lips of her cunt, then delved between her folds to find the flavor that was hers alone. He only wanted Mara upon his tongue as he made her come. But he would not have long to do it. Already a foreign heaviness was settling into his limbs. He knew not whether it was sleep or death that approached and only cared that he pleased her before it took him. With a swirl of his tongue, he circled her clit before closing his lips around that sensitive bud. She cried out when he began to suck, her hands fisting in his hair, her back arching. The sound of his name from her panting lips was even sweeter than her cunt. Unable to resist, he abandoned her clitoris for a deep, thrusting lick into her virgin entrance. Yet she wordlessly begged for more, lifting her hips as if seeking what he hadn't yet given. Strax would give her all he could. His mouth returned to her clit, even as he filled her cunt with the blunt thickness of his longest finger, working it slowly into her snug channel. So tight and hot was his wife that every inch he gained was a victory and his head swam with the ecstasy of her taste. Then abruptly, her voluptuous inner walls clamped down, squeezing his fingers so hard that seed spilled from his cock in response. Her soft flesh muffled his tortured groan. Slowly, he began to fuck her with the gentle pumping of his hand as he feasted on her clit. Sobbing gasps of pleasure began to rack her body, her thighs shook, her virgin sheath clenching ever tighter around his thrusting finger. She screams Strax's name when she came, nearly yanking the hair from his scalp. But that was a blessing, because darkness was encroaching and the pain was a bright flare against it. After a final lick, Strax slowly moved upward, where she clasped his face and kissed him with wild heat and ravenous greed. His wife still needed, and he was not done. Chest heaving with effort, he rasped against her mouth. Shall I take you now, Mara, as a man takes his woman? Yes, she all but sobbed, wrapping her legs around his hips. Now.
His rigid cock pressed against her entrance, and he thrust forward. But the weakness overtaking his muscles defeated his attempt. Her tightness didn't admit him, and his shaft rode over the wetness of her cunt to lay throbbing against her stomach. Strax could do no more. Nothing except roll to the side so she wouldn't be crushed beneath his massive bulk. With the last of his strength, he told her, Ease your need upon me, my wife. Because whether sleep took him or death did, Strax had no doubt his cock would remain as steel for her use. He had but one last moment to look at Mara, to witness her burning flame, to feel her soft lips against his, her gentle hand upon his cheek, and see the tears filling her eyes. Then the darkness swept in. She had not killed him. Strax discovered that truth when he awoke, though his parched tongue and the hunger grasping at his stomach told him that at least two days had passed. His furs covered him from head to toe, and when he tossed them aside, he'd discovered that she'd taken his horse, his supplies, even his boots and leathers. All she had left behind were the furs, and that pleased him not at all. Even though Mara had taken his clothes and the horse's saddle blankets, each night she would have been cold. She ought to have left him exposed. Strax would have survived it, and preferred freezing to knowing she had been chilled. He sat up, and something tumbled from his chest to his bare lap. A gold coin. He only glanced at it a moment before examining his cock. The seed he'd spilled while feasting upon her cunt had dried on his shaft. If she'd used him, that seed wouldn't have remained. And there might have been virgin's blood instead. But there was none. So his wife was two days ahead of him, alone and unsatisfied, and shivering through the nights. A poor husband he'd proven to be. A clever wife she'd proven to be. Strax could not stop his laugh as he palmed the gold coin and rose to his feet. No doubt she believed he'd be forced to return to Wintermere for another horse and supplies. His wife was clever, indeed. But she didn't know everything. She didn't know that everyone who'd grown up in the Deadlands scratched their living from wastelands even more barren than Lonewood. So he rolled up his furs, because tying them around his waist would only slow him down. Instead, he propped the bedroll onto his shoulder, and wearing only a grin, Strax began to run. Welcome back! Isn't that wonderful? He just does not care that she just <laughs> took off without him. He's like, I'll track her down, and he was willing... He wanted to taste her so bad, he did not care if it was going to knock him the fuck out, if it was going to kill him, be the last thing he did on this earth. He was going down on his wife and making her <laughs> his. It was just epic vagina eating is what that was. I'm just going to put that out there. That's what, it's, that's what that is. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys are excited for more. I'm excited for you guys to get more. 
But I am going to talk a little bit about ourselves for a minute because I know Leah would kill me if I didn't. This today should be released if Amazon is being nice to us. They've been taking a little bit to release our books. If you guys, it takes them about 48 hours lately to load. I've been trying to load them sooner to make sure they're out on time. But Restored should be live today. It is about a mechanic and a, an, uh, I don't remember. See, this is when I need Leah, the girl who does like hair and makeup. I want to say anesthetician, but for some reason I'm thinking, is that for dead people? Who does the makeup of dead people? You guys are all screaming at me right now, and Leah is probably laughing hysterically. But she does makeup and lives above the mechanic shop, and her dad passed away, and she's known this guy for a long time, and she's wanted him, but she's thought he hasn't wanted her, so there's this whole car show and all that sweet leaven that he's been waiting for so you guys can get restored today it is in kindle unlimited of course and 99 cents as always and also don't forget that katie wilde has a pair book up with this one about the brother that you can pick up it is pretty bright if you want to go ahead i'm hoping that we get to read about some of this couple in that book and maybe get a little you guys might get some spoilers in there. If you're like me, you might enjoy those, but she probably doesn't because we didn't get much of him in this one. You'll get more of him in the last on Friday. So definitely stick around. And I think that's it for our hump day. I think I've covered everything I was supposed to. Don't forget to enter the giveaway. Katie is giving away a six-month subscription of Kindle Unlimited, which is awesome. So go ahead. You can click that in the links, or you can always go to our website and go to the giveaway tab, and it should be up there. Until then, I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind And read me romance Read, read me romance